You're listening to the Packernet Podcast Network. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome once again to the Packernet Podcast. I am your host and resident fanalist, as always, Ryan Schlipp. Check us out online, packernet.com. Find me on Twitter, pack underscore data. So today we're going to continue what we were doing. Um, we're going to look at the Green Bay Packers schedule. We should be able to knock out several teams, I think, I hope, I don't know. But uh, yesterday we did an overview of the schedule, as well as looking at the Chicago Bears. Next up on the docket, again, not sure how many we're going to get through, but um, leading up through the bye week, we got the Falcons, Saints, Lions, and Raiders. So I suppose without further ado, we should look at the Atlanta Falcons. As a reminder, this is a uh, noon game, regular, regular old noon Sunday game, but it is in Atlanta. It's our second road game in a row, hopefully coming off a win against the Chicago Bears, fingers crossed. But uh, without further ado, let's dive into the Atlanta Falcons. So the Atlanta Falcons last year, uh, they went 7-10. and 10. Head coach Arthur Smith, uh, Dave Ragone was their offensive coordinator, Dean Pease, defensive coordinator. All of that stays the same with the exception of a new defensive coordinator, Ryan Nielsen. Makes sense considering they've had a terrible defense since forever. And he is coming over from the New Orleans Saints primarily as a defensive line guy. So Saints, strong defense over the last five or so years. He ended as the co-defensive coordinator for the Saints in 2022 and then got hired as the defensive coordinator slash defensive line coach for the Atlanta Falcons, hopefully trying to bring a little bit of that uh, toughness over to Atlanta because Atlanta has really struggled with that. They, they For a long time, I said Atlanta and Green Bay were very similar. Elite offenses and just really weak. In fact, the Saints were the same way too. Really weak defenses. Then the Saints kind of figured out the defensive part and the Falcons just never did, and then the offense started to erode, and they've just been a terrible team ever since. But anyways, I think that's sort of the thought process as far as their new defensive coordinator, something to keep in mind. Um, not that it necessarily means anything, but I know every single franchise that gets a new coach assumes that everything's just going to be great. So if you come across a Falcons fan that says, yeah, better watch out for our defense, that would be why. Uh, last year, they had the 15th ranked offense looking at points, 23rd in terms of uh, defensive points allowed. Passing offense, 18th at, with net yards per attempt. Defense was 29th. Rushing offense, they actually ranked 4th, which I didn't really realize they were that good at. Rushing defense, 18th. Um, you also got to remember, last year was Marcus Mariota and Desmond Ritter were their quarterbacks. Ritter played, uh, started 4 games and went 2-2. Two and two. Marcus Mariota played in 13 games and went 5-8. and eight. So they obviously leaned on the run and for relatively good reason. They were actually the number one rushing team in terms of attempts. They ran more than anybody else. They were 31st in passing attempts, so they didn't even try. And, you know, this is a team that was built to pass. I mean, obviously, they're very good at running, but I'm just saying, you know, they had Matt Ryan. They went out and got Kyle Pitts. I mean, they're building. I mean, th this is the old Julio Jones team, right? This is just what the Falcons have always done. And so I would assume that they want to get back to that. And, and you know, Arthur Smith was a guy that came from Tennessee, was real big with tight ends, they get pits. You know, it was a team that I think was meant to be a passing offense that had to get away from it because they just didn't have any quarterback talent, would be my thought. If we look at the Falcons roster from last year, again, we already looked at the quarterback. Um, the wide receivers, Drake London was wide receiver one. So again, a, this is a passing team. And, and I think it's a team that could really take a huge step, at least offensively. 
because Drake London was actually one of the top wide receivers last year. I mean, he was fantastic as a rookie. Kyle Pitts is still a very good tight end and is one of the more dangerous and freaky receivers slash anybody's in the NFL. Aside from that, it gets a little bit iffy. Um, the only other wide receiver that had any kind of... So, so just to give you an idea of how one-sided this was, Drake London had 114 targets. Uh, Olamide Zacchaeus was number two with 61. So it was about half. Then Kyle Pitts, only 56. You know for a fact they want to get him more involved. After that, it was Cordero Patterson, their running back. Um, and Olamide Zacchaeus and Cordero Patterson really didn't grade out super well as receivers. Um, then you have uh, Demir Bird had just 22 targets. So they don't have a ton after those two guys, but those are two big, I mean, literally big, but just big targets in Kyle Pitts and Drake London. And again, you know 100,000% they want to get Kyle Pitts more active and involved in things. Looking at the running back situation, they had, you know, as I said, number one rushing team, an unbelievable uh, situation. Tyler Algier, rookie fifth round pick, had an 86.7 um, and an 88 run grade for the season. 210 attempts, 1,035 yards, three touchdowns, 4.9 yards per attempt. Cordero Patterson, had 144 attempts, 4.8 yards per attempt, 8 touchdowns. He had an 84 rushing grade. Then they had Caleb Huntley. He's a 2021 undrafted free agent, so he was just in his second year. Is his first year actually ever playing. He had an 86 rushing grade. So 88, 84, and 86 were the rushing grades of these three running backs. I mean, they were freaking unstoppable. After that was Marcus Mariota with 58 attempts. He had a 70 rushing grade. He, you know, can't really pass, but he still got some wheels on him including four touchdowns. He did have eight fumbles, which isn't great, but absolutely stacked group of backs. And I don't exactly understand the situation. Um, I don't think that these guys are genuinely that good. I don't know if it's the offensive line just blowing open holes or what exactly the situation is, but um, we have not seen this version of Cordero Patterson since 2014 in Minnesota. Uh, his first two years in Minnesota, he had a 95 and an 83 rushing grade. He has come nowhere near that until 2022 when he had his 84 grade. So um, at 32 years old, we're seeing Pete Cordero Patterson all over again. I, again, I have no idea how reproducible that's going to be. Maybe it just had to do with the offense. You've got these sort of mobile quarterbacks that are keeping everybody off balance. And we'll get into the changes, but I mean, that that hasn't really changed. I mean, that, boy, oh boy. No, whatever. Desmond Ritter is their their quarterback now. I believe that's going to be taking over, assuming he can handle responsibility. But he's still that mobile Type of guy. So if that was the thing, then it's reproducible. I'm not really sure. Again, we'll get into the updates and changes uh, after we get through last year. Offensive line, they got uh, longtime tackle Jake Matthews, left tackle. Doesn't look like he missed a freaking game. Four snaps went to Jermaine Effetti. Three snaps went to Mecole Pruitt. So he probably came out for a couple snaps, but that's about it. But he's still steady Eddie. 70 pa a run blocking grade, 81 pass blocking grade. Uh, left guard was a bit of a revolving door. Um, let's see. I'm not so the the guy that got the most snaps was Elijah Wilkinson, um, who actually did quite well as a pass blocker, mediocre run blocker. Colby Gossett played about half as many snaps at 261. He was kind of just terrible. Matt Hennessy played 157. He was uh, 70 pass blocking, 83 run blocking, and then 55 snaps for Chuma Idoga. Uh, almost the exact same grades, 85 and 63 pass blocking. At center, Drew Dahlman, who was a bad pass blocker and a solid run blocker. 
Uh, right guard Chris Lindstrom, one of the best guards in football, remains that. I mean, if you want to know where the good run blocking comes from, 93 run blocking grade, 82 pass blocking grade. He's got to be one of the best offensive linemen, period. And then uh, Caleb McGarry, another just elite offensive lineman, especially as a run blocker. I mean, 67 pass blocking, but a 92 run blocking. I guess just run to the right and you're you're good to go. Holy crap. Those are like the two best run blockers in the NFL, both on the right side of the Falcon line. Was a little bit fluky, though. I mean, he's gotten better every single year, but he jumped from a 72 to a 92. So, And that's uh, um, Caleb McGarry I'm talking about. Uh, Chris Lindstrom, also a pretty young guy. He's also gotten better every year, but a little bit more reasonably. 67, 76, 87, 93. So I don't think that that's coming down. And he was he had almost elite grades every single week starting in week 11 as a run blocker. That's insane. His pass blocking was, his lowest was an 80.7 in that stretch. Wow, that's amazing. I guess we can update it as we go. The, the only uh, the only kind of change here is that they drafted Matthew Bergeron, second round pick. He's going to fill in in that revolving door left guard. So um, Jake Matthews, great tackle. They got a rookie left guard. Um, at center, they got Drew Dahlman staying there. He was a little bit rough, but it is what it is. And then Lindstrom and Caleb McGarry are just fantastic on the other side. So really quite solid offensive line, like really good. Just kind of doubling back real quick. Uh, wide receiver, they didn't do much to upgrade. Still got Drake uh, London, but now they have Scotty Miller, who we all know, and Mac Hollins. Neither of those guys are really top tier, and they didn't really draft. They didn't draft any wide receivers at running back, though, which already was elite last year. They went out and got Bijan Robinson. Which, as I'm looking at it now, why? I mean, I understand. Like, we we really want to run the ball well, and he's a weapon, not just a running back. Blah blah blah. But of all the teams that could have benefited from Bijan Robinson, the Falcons have to be one of the lowest on the list. Tyler Algier, your running back, was one of the top running backs in football. How much better is Bijan going to be? What, Tyler was like the number four running back? He's going to be the number one running back? How, what, who gives a crap? Get another wide receiver for your, for your quarterback or draft another quarterback because you got freaking Desmond Ritter as your quarterback right now, which sucks. Defense needs a ton of help, and you got Bijan. I didn't realize how much that pick sucked. I, thought, I think I kind of thought that I liked it. It was like, oh, dang, Kyle Pitts, Drake London, now you got Bijan. Uh, All right. But anyways, yeah, we're going to deal with Bijan Robinson there, which probably is going to suck a little bit, I guess. Although we're going to get run on no matter what. All right, let's switch over to the defensive side of the ball, starting on the interior. Last year's top dog has been the top dog for a long time, and that's Grady Jarrett. Surprisingly, he's only 30 years old. I feel like he's been there since forever. Um, Grady Jarrett was, he did grade out fairly well, 71 grade, but... The Grady Jarrett that we all know, and, and the, the reason I bring this up is because we're going to go in there and they're going to talk about how elite Grady Jarrett is. Grady Jarrett had an elite four-year window, 2017, 18, 19, and 20. He hasn't been back to that since. Um, in fact, as a pass rusher, he had a three-year stretch, 2018, 19, and 20. Um, in 2021, his 80, so in, in 2019, it was a 90. 2020, it was an 80. Then it went down to a 68, and then last year, a 71. So he went from a 90 down to hovering in the 70s in just a matter of a couple years. And I don't see that bouncing back. So Grady Jarrett is still good, but Grady Jarrett is not 2019 Grady Jarrett. And nobody's going to realize that because in 2019 he had eight sacks, and in 2022 he had seven sacks. So it's like, no, same dude. Okay. Okay. After that, the next three defensive linemen, all pretty similar in snaps, was Taquan Graham, 471, 
Abdullah Anderson, 433, and Timmy Holm, literally never heard of him in my life, had 385 uh, snaps. Uh, Abdullah Anderson is now with the Washington Commanders, and they actually added David Anyamata from the New Orleans Saints. So obviously you can understand this pickup. You got a guy that is now your defensive coordinator who's a defensive line coach for the New Orleans Saints. What does he do? He comes in here and he gets a Saints defensive lineman to put next to Grady Jarrett. Now, Anyamata is another guy that's kind of similar. Um, he's also 30 years old, going on 31 this year. He had kind of a, a, a relatively solid stretch from 2017 to 2021 with one kind of weird low year in between. He had a down year in 2022. He's always had a terrible tackling grade. But um, 2022 was a big down year. In fact, he had one, two, three good games the entire season. So, you know, again, the narrative is going to be, I can already tell you, this is a revamped and maybe one of the best defensive fronts in football. And that's when we add, and we'll talk about him in a second, Calais Campbell off the edge, Bud Dupree on the edge. They drafted Zach Harrison in the third round, right? But if we, if we look at it, Grady Jarrett ain't the old Grady Jarrett. David Onyemata, maybe he has a little bit of a bounce back year, but he kind of just had a, a two-year dominant stretch where he had an 89 grade in 2020, 82 in 2021, and then 64 this past year. And then, as a, again, as I mentioned, they also added Calais Campbell out of uh, Baltimore. Calais Campbell is going to be 37 years old by the time this starts, and I think he's going to be their best defensive lineman. This guy is beyond a freak. Now, he's not he's not in the prime of his career, Um his prime would have been 2016 through 2019, but his last three years were still 75, 81, and 77. He's still a top defensive lineman. I don't know how you get to be so much of a freak. But again, the, the emphasis is we're going to win in the trenches. We're going to be stronger um, along the defensive line. And so they they kept Grady Jarrett. They added David Onyemata. They added Calais Campbell. They went out and got a new defensive coordinator who comes from New Orleans and is a defensive line coach. Clearly, this was an emphasis. And then they went out and drafted Zach Harrison in the third round, who's also going to add to that room. At least they have him listed here as an interior defensive end. So they did go from one of the worst defensive lines to questionable but probably pretty good um, defensive tackle group. Now, I, I will say, not that it really matters to us, because all that matters is what we're facing in week two, but from a long-term team building strategy i don't love this your team is not competing why are you getting two one guy that's 37 years old and one guy that's like 32 years old to play on your defensive line for one year what is the benefit of that if you're going to invest in something invest in somebody young i guess it's just something interesting to do i i, I don't know i think the falcons have been on a bad track for a while I, 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 I said this before the packers and the falcons both bottomed out in 2018 the Packers tore it down, rebuilt, and, and went on a heck of a run. The Falcons have just kind of continued down this path of, nah, we'll just keep going, we'll just keep going, we'll just keep going. And this is kind of what it's led to. And now they're still doing it. And whatever modicum of success that they have, and, and granted, if Desmond Ritter can figure out how to be a quarterback, you got Ritter, Bijan, Drake, great offensive line, Kyle Pitts, revamped defensive line we'll get to the rest of the positions but suddenly we got a football team here are they going to win anything eh, maybe in the nfc north excuse me in the nfc but you know i don't know anyways then you come off the edge uh their top edge rusher last year is going to be the top edge rusher this year that's lorenzo carter at least i think i don't know in terms of snap counts it was lorenzo his grade last year was a 60.5 not a very good pass rusher he had a 51 pass rush grade 33 pressures on 390 attempts, so well under 10%, and just five sacks. 
their number two edge rusher was um, Oditu Kunbo Udunji. Uh, he was a fifth round pick in 2021 and was just kind of terrible. 44 grade and a 44 pass rush grade, six pressures on 218 attempts. That's a 2.7% pressure rate. He had to have been the, the worst starting pass rusher in the entire NFL. So, I mean, again, this, this defensive front was horrific. And the edges still look quite bad. They did go out and add Bud Dupree from Tennessee, but Bud Dupree's also not very good. He never really has been, aside from 2019 in Pittsburgh. He had one flukish year where he was solid and then went right back to being what he always was. He had 29 pressures on 294 attempts and four sacks. So he's just under 10% and just four sacks. Last year, he had 26 pressures on 314 attempts and four sacks. So the edges are, are rough. The interior is certainly bolstered. Just probably not to the extent that we're going to hear in the lead up to just how elite that they are. And they really just didn't add anybody. Uh, I mean, you know, again, they added Bud Dupree, but their number three guy is going to still be that Edetokonbo Ogunji guy. It, it's pretty terrible. They do have Arnold Ebicady there. Maybe he's going to have a bigger role this year. I don't really know. But it's a rough, rough group on the outside. Then at corner, no, let's do linebacker. Uh, Rashawn Evans was their number one linebacker last year. I'm not entirely sure his status. It looks like um, he got picked up by Atlanta last year and then just kind of got let go, and he's still floating around there as a free agent. I mean, this is a former first-round pick that just never, never materialized into anything. The other linebacker that they had on the inside was Michael Walker. He's still there, but he has been sort of replaced by two additions at linebacker that is Caden Ellis another saint and Troy Anderson who was on the team last year was a rookie last year and it looks like he's going to take over that spot so in a sense two new interior linebackers Troy Anderson though had a 40 PFF grade last year he was really really bad Caden Ellis grade graded extremely high but I have no idea how seriously to take this he was a 2019 seventh round pick didn't really play in he didn't play in 2019, didn't really play in 2020. 2021, he played, you know, less than 200 snaps, had a 70 grade, which is promising, but who knows. Then in 2022, he gets his first kind of starting role and had an 82 PFF grade, largely as a pass rusher too, which is um, interesting. He did start on the outside and then I guess moved to the inside. So inside, outside, very weird kind of situation, I guess, but certainly grades better as an interior guy than he does as a boundary guy where he's just kind of terrible. So we'll see. Uh, two very big unknowns. Again, Troy Anderson was horrific last year. Caden Ellis is going to kind of get his first time, I believe, as a true inside guy for the whole year. And um, we'll see what this 2019 seventh-round pick can do. Then you look at the corners. Top corner, A.J. Terrell. He's still there uh, as their top guy, I presume. He was a first-round pick in 2020. Hasn't really materialized into the guy that they had hoped. He had a 64 PFF grade, a 62 coverage grade, so he's pretty mediocre. They actually added Jeff Okuda from the Detroit Lions. He's going to be essentially replacing fourth-round pick Darren Hall. Darren Hall actually wasn't terrible. I mean, he was just as good as A.J. Terrell from a PFF grade standpoint, but they're going to trust Jeff Okuda to come in and uh, fix that. Jeff Okuda, massive swing and a miss. And, you know, that that's kind of overshadowed how bad of a pick that was. I think the the Lions' new regime came in a year later, but still, that was that was really bad. I mean, that was a number three pick, and he was just going to light the world on fire, and he was like one of the worst corners 
in football to the point where Detroit let him walk. I don't know. I, it's probably a trade, I'm guessing. I don't remember what it was. I think it was pretty low compensation if it was anything. But for whatever reason, um, Falcons are going to give him a shot. I mean, I guess you know the reason, but really, really bad corner. And then hilariously, they also brought in Mike Hughes, who's going to be their slot corner. He was with Detroit also last year. Now, he, he eh. I'll just say I don't understand the strategy of let's poach Detroit Lions cornerbacks to try to improve our defense. I mean, the Lions are not exactly where you want to be looking. Um, he had a 51 coverage grade last year with Detroit. I mean, he was not good. So A.J. Terrell is average. Jeff Okuda has been terrible, and I'm not even positive he's going to win the job ultimately over Darren Hall. It may take some time for that replacement to happen, but if Akuda doesn't prove anything, Hall is going to re- reclaim his spot. And then Mike Hughes is just a subpar corner. So the corners are not super fantastic. And one of the biggest issues with this entire team, as I'm looking at it, especially the defense, it's such a hodgepodge. I mean, they're going out and doing what supposedly the Bears did, which is just go out and get every big name guy you can to come in and just make this team better. I mean, my goodness, David Onyemana, Calais Campbell, Bud Dupree, Jeff Okuda. We haven't even gotten to one of the biggest additions at safety yet. Mike Hughes. I mean, these guys are starting at premium positions. Pass rusher, two interior guys. Drafted Bijan. Brought in two cornerbacks. This is a significantly better offseason, bigger offseason than what the Bears did. But what I what I don't care for is it's a mishmash where 50% of your defense are brand new guys with a brand new defensive coordinator. And in year two, when hopefully everybody learns more from the system, everybody's gone. Everybody's old and retired and broken and like, this isn't, this is, what is this? Sort of that dream team mentality where we're just going to go out and grab every big name and hope that it does something. But it's, well, I'm not going to say it's a disaster. It might work out well. I just, I I, I can't imagine it's going to be all that great. With the exception of, of the assumption that the interior is going to be more stout than it was last year, this is still not great. And again, what did, what did you do in the draft? A third-round interior defensive lineman, a fourth-round corner, and a seventh-round safety. I mean, come on, man. They had no picks. Why do you have no picks? What are you doing giving away picks, man? You guys suck. I mean, it's a team in desperate need of a teardown and rebuild, and they're just not doing it. They're just going to try to do this subtle sort of regrowth from within you know we'll just let Desmond Ritter take over with the young guys mix with the old guys and just hope that we can kind of rejuvenate this from the inside out but I I mean it ain't gonna work you got a bunch of offensive linemen that are going bye-bye soon you got an entire defense that's going to be leaving soon aside from the guys that aren't good at football I don't know whatever anyways at safety now um top two guys last year Richie Grant and Jalen Hawkins Richie Grant is staying there Richie Grant was a 65 PFF grade, 70 coverage grade, gave up 400 yards, three touchdowns, two picks, five pass breakups. He was decent, better coverage guy than, than he was a run defender slash tackler. And then they brought in their big free agent, and that is Jesse Bates. Jesse Bates is someone that a lot of Packer fans have been wanting, very similar to Savage insofar as, like, you know, seemed like he was really on, on something and then kind of fell off. Except he refound his swagger in year three, except then he kind of fell back off, and then he kind of got a little bit better again in year five. So his grades have been 80, 60, 90, 67, 72. His run defense in particular has been every alternating every year. 75, 52, 82, 59, 88. He can't figure out if he's a good run defender or not. 
and his coverage has fluctuated from 65, which is his lowest, two years in a row, uh, not in a row, but two years, and then up to a 90. One of the most talented yet inconsistent safeties in all of football. Um, only once, well, I guess twice, has he put together a, a good year in terms of coverage and run defense. Three out of five years, he could stop the run. Two out of five, he was putrid. Three out of five years, he was good in coverage. Two out of five, he was average. And even if you look at his game-to-game, it's it's even worse because it's, I mean, 70 and then 40, 60, 60, 50, 50, which sucks. Then 70, 80, 90, which is amazing. Then 50, 50, 50, which is garbage. Then 90, then 70, then 60. Then 90, then 50, then 40, then 50. I mean, he he is insanely insanely volatile but it's a big get and probably a upgrade for um whether it was worth the money i don't know but but probably an upgrade for the uh, atlanta falcons so not looking at special teams which we won't that's uh that's pretty much it i mean the the, the offense is going to hinge on desmond ritter which i guess we haven't really talked about a ton yet for reference ritter in a terrible quarterback class was my favorite um quarterback from that class but he only played four games he ended the season last year did get better every game technically uh 43 grade against the saints then a 45 grade against baltimore then a 67 against arizona and then tampa bay was his best game with a 75.7 grade he was um 19 of 30 for 224 yards two touchdowns and no picks so Really big unknown, probably good that we're getting him week two because he's obviously still got a lot of uh, kinks to work out as a as a young quarterback. So again, last year was his first year in the offense and he only played four games. But that that's going to be the biggest thing. I mean, for, for the Falcons and the Packers, how well these quarterbacks play is going to be the biggest thing. The offense clearly has plenty of potential here with the running backs, the offensive line, the tight end in pits, the wide receiver, Drake London. I mean, there, there's more than enough talent here for the offense to be able to do something. And they should be significantly better than they were last year, but there's no guarantee because nothing's really changed on the offense. So, you know, similar to the Bears, you look at it and go, well, there's potential. Yeah, well, there was last year too, but nothing happened, except there wasn't as much potential with the Bears. But it's largely the same group. The defense should improve, but we're talking about one of the worst defenses that's out there. And, and although they did do a ton, um, as far as free agency goes, I, you know... Again, I don't know if it's going to necessarily match the hype that I'm sure they're going to get. Anyways, why don't we take a break? We'll come back and look at the uh, the team that got poached, the New Orleans Saints. This one will be at home in Green Bay, another noon game. We'll take a break. We'll be right back. We all have smartphones, and we all know they're pretty amazing, but they also can be amazingly distracting, especially when we're around other people. So U.S. Cellular wants us to reset our relationship with our phones by putting down our phones for five. That's right, a company that sells phones wants us to put down our phones. And to see what we find, learn more at uscellular.com forward slash built for us. In the hobby, it's not easy being a fan of ripping packs or repacks. We get all hyped up thinking we're going to get some high-value Jordan Love card, but with zero transparency on available cards and hit rates, it's all just a shot in the dark. Until now... Introducing Slab Packs from ArenaClub.com, the only repack that provides real value, a complete view on all possible cards, and clear hit rates for each one. Now when I buy Slab Packs on Arena Club, it finally feels like I know what I'm getting. 
And honestly, the best thing for me and my son is the fact that we're kind of novices into this. When I walk into a card shop with my son and a card says it costs $40, kind of just taking his word for it that that's a good value. So I appreciate the transparency on grading, as well as just getting excited about seeing what you could potentially get. Right now, you can get 10% off your first purchase by going to arenaclub.com slash packdaddy. Wow, that's crazy offer. 10% off a $400 slab pack. That's 40 bucks right there. Anyways, that's arenaclub.com slash packdaddy for 10% off your first purchase. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. All right, let's take a look at the New Orleans Saints. I think it's safe to assume they have a new defensive coordinator. But uh, head coach Dennis, Dennis Allen, offensive coordinator Pete Carmichael. Defensive coordinator was Ryan Nielsen slash Chris Richard, Ricard, whatever, I don't know. They finished the season 7-10. and 10. Uh, They won four out of their la- uh, three out of their last four after their bye week, pretty similar to the Green Bay Packers where um, they were actually 4-9, and nine, not as, you know much worse than the Packers, but had their bye week come out and had the absolute best stretch of their season. Um, and in fact, one of those wins came against the Philadelphia Eagles, beating them 20-10. to 10. They were 22nd on offense, 9th on defense looking at points. Uh, Passing offense was 7th. Passing defense was 3rd, so one of the best pass defenses in the NFL. Uh, Rush offense and defense were 22nd and 20th, so pretty bad on both ends of the spectrum. So good passing offense, good passing defense, bad rushing offense, bad rushing defense. Bad offense overall, good defense overall. And uh, just quick looking at their scores, it looks like they only crossed the 30-point mark twice last year, weeks 5 and 7. They also had a quarterback carousel of Andy Dalton and Jameis Winston, which also should give you some hope for the Saints because that's pretty rough. And and, and technically, uh, Taysom Hill was involved too. But uh, Jameis Winston went 1-2, and two, Andy Dalton went 6-8. and eight. However, the Saints did go out, <clears throat> excuse me, did go out and acquire Derek Carr. Derek Carr obviously is not an elite quarterback, but is certainly a solid enough quarterback, um, sort of a, a top 16-ish type of quarterback, which is going to be significant upgrade over what they had. Jameis Winston remains the backup. Andy Dalton is out the door. They also got Jake Hayner, uh, who is kind of a sneaky good college prospect. Got him in the fourth round to be QB3. Uh, the one thing that is worth noting, and you can kind of scoff at it if you choose, Andy Dalton actually graded out fairly well, and hilariously, I think he did with the Bears too. Like the guy just continually does a decent enough job, but um, he had a uh, 81 passing grade. So that would be the only thing if you want to look at it and say that the Saints are, are going to take a massive leap is the fact that Andy Dalton didn't do a terrible job in his 14 games. Um, he had a 67 completion percentage through for almost 3000 yards, 18 touchdowns, nine interceptions, um, 4.1% big time throw percentage is actually quite high. 2.3% turnover worthy play is pretty standard, not terrible, not great. I should try to get some solid numbers for that just so I can, it's easy, easy reference points, kind of like my 10% pressure rate thing. I'll work on that. But anyways, Derek Carr comes in that should sort of stabilize things if nothing else. 
Um, Taysom Hill is still on the team. He is listed as a tight end, which, <laughs> whatever. Uh, looking at the wide receivers, number one wide receiver last year was Chris Olave, um, followed by Jarvis Landry, then Rashid Shahid, Marquez Calloway, Traquan Smith, etc., etc. The actual number two receiving option was Alvin Kamara, the running back, followed by their third receiving option was tight end Juwan Johnson. So really it was Chris Olave and nothing else. Now, Michael Thomas is back. To what extent, I don't know. Right, Michael Thomas was an elite wide receiver for four years in the NFL, starting as a rookie in 2016. Right, Elite, 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 elite. 2020, he gets hurt. 2021, he doesn't play. 2022, he comes back and plays three games. He has not played a full season since 2019, and that was the last time he was considered elite. Now, with that said, his grades in 2020 and the little amount that he played was an 80. His grade in 2022 over those three games was a 77. And all three games actually graded out quite well. His receiving grades were 72, 74, and 72. So it doesn't seem as though he became anything less than a really good wide receiver. And if he continued that throughout the season, he'd be up in the 80s or 90s or whatever again. So, I mean, this is very similar to the Falcons, where very quickly you can look at it, kind of like we do with the Packers, where you can say, man, if they could hit their peak, if Derek Carr could be a good receiver, if Michael Thomas can come back and be healthy and still be good at 30 years old, and they've got Chris Olave going into year two. That's pretty solid. Now, they still just have Rashid Shahid, who's not much of an option um, in the slot, but I guess kind of who cares. That's, that's a pretty good uh, situation to be in, at least as far as quarterback wide receiver, right? They still have Alvin Kamara as their running back, I guess, slash receiver. Um, last year, he had almost 500 yards receiving and two touchdowns, although his receiving career has not really been uh, a massive thing since about 2020. So from 2017 to 2020, he was a prolific receiver. 2021 and 2022, that kind of took a backseat. Maybe that has to do with the quarterbacks and just how bad things have spiraled since Drew left. I don't really know, but I'm just giving you the information. As a runner, 77.7 grade, so still solid. 223 attempts, four yards per attempt, only two touchdowns and four fumbles. So not massively productive outside of just kind of kind of having a lot of carries. I mean, four yards per attempt is fine. It's, it's not mega elite. Two touchdowns, obviously, is subpar. Taysom Hill sniped all of those. He had seven rushing touchdowns with less than 100 rushing attempts in total. So he's sort of the goal line guy. Mike, Mark Ingram was still there last year, which is crazy that that pairing has been there. And, and funny enough, the new Mark Ingram, you know, going back for years, Kamara was sort of that slasher receiving guy and then mark ingram was the hammer so they lost the hammer in mark ingram do you know who the new hammer is can you remember it's jamal williams so they brought in jamal to be the new mark ingram mark ingram is currently a uh, free agent right now no reason to believe they would bring him back because they brought in jamal williams they also drafted kendra miller in the third round so um continuing to keep that stocked you know alvin kamara is going to have his day of of not being there for long and obviously they lost ingram so continuing that so again, still a good group. You got your hammer and Jamal who just broke all kinds of records for touchdowns, rushing touchdowns and everything else. Um, Alvin's still there. Michael Thomas is coming back. We'll see if he can stay healthy. Chris Olave in year two, right? Uh, you got your new quarterback in Derek Carr who should be better than what you had last year. And then you got the offensive line, which is a pretty solid offensive line. 
At left tackle, they've got Trevor Penning. Now, that's a little bit of a question mark. Trevor Penning um, certainly struggled last year. He only played 58 snaps, had a 38 pass blocking grade. Great run blocker, but terrible pass blocking. James Hurst took over for the uh, majority of the year there. Now, his lack of playing time, I think, was entirely due to an injury. I don't know if there's there's maybe a little bit of he got benched at any point. I, I, I don't think so. But, but again, um, he really, really struggled as a pass blocker last year um so we'll see so it's a it's a first round pick in 2022 that's going to be taken over at left tackle left guard uh andrus pete is going to be i believe starting there he was a 2015 first round pick andrus pete um been around kind of a long time never really lived up to any of the hype as a 13th overall pick his best year he's been with the saints the whole time his best year was 2016 he had a 71 overall grade uh, the last two years his pass blocking has gone to zero. Now, I don't know for sure that he's going to stay there. They also had Calvin Throckmorton, Josh Andrews, and uh, Lewis Kidd, and James Hurst all taking turns at left guard. So that might be a little bit of a competition there. Eric McCoy is our center. He's kind of a Josh uh, Josh Myers type of guy. Not elite, not terrible, just kind of average. His offensive line is th- worse than I thought. I think I saw Ryan Ramzik and uh, Trevor Penning and, and kind of got carried away. <laughs> and I thought Eric McCoy was better than this, but I guess not. Um, I mean, he, you know, he's still relatively young, I guess, so he could be good. I don't know. Cesar Ruiz, uh, somewhat of a subpar right guard, and then um, right tackle is Ryan Ramzik, and Ryan Ramzik is quite good. So actually, upon review, um, Trevor Penning is a question mark but was horrific as a pass blocker. Uh, Andrews Pete is not very good. Eric McCoy is average. Cesar Ruiz is slightly below average, and then Ryan Ramzik is a good right tackle. So it's, it's actually kind of a lacking offensive line, which could – sort of play into why the offense that should have been better wasn't necessarily as good as it should have been. I don't really know. But um, somewhat surprisingly, a lot of their investment was on the defensive side. So um, they they put a you know third-round pick into a running back, which is kind of iffy in terms of you know usage. Fourth-round pick was a quarterback. Again, are these guys ever really going to be starters to do anything? I don't, I don't really know. And if they do, how good are they going to be? Also a fourth-round pick into a guard, Nick Saldaveri. Sixth-round pick, A.T. Perry at wide receiver, and that's pretty much it. Everybody else, uh, especially the, well, it's actually probably more on offense than defense, but the two early picks came on defense. So, um, anyways, that's about it for the offense. Again, we'll see how well Derek Carr can acclimate, but he's got plenty, I mean, he's got a tough situation with the offensive line. And it's probably worse than what he's used to. I think Las Vegas, although he's been there for quite a while, they, they've had some pretty good offensive lines. Oh, I, di- I didn't look at tight end. Significantly worse tight end situation than he's used to. Starting tight end is Juwan Johnson. He was a 2020 undrafted free agent. Um, just an average 64 overall. or Yeah, 64 overall grade, 500 yards, 7 touchdowns. Not terrible, but he's just a, a middling, every team's got one kind of tight end. So not nearly as much change at least offensively, as the um, Falcons have had, but significant changes, right? You're talking quarterback and whatnot, and, and Michael Thomas coming back. Otherwise, it's it's pretty much the same team. And even the changes they made, you know, like Derek Carr, probably not that big of a difference at quarterback, maybe slightly. They, they lost a running back and added a running back who has the same complementary, you know, skill sets. Anyways, defensively, starting on the interior, uh, David Onyemata was their number one defensive tackle. As I mentioned, he went over to the Atlanta Falcons, so he is no longer there. After that, they had Shy Tuttle. I think we talked about him last year. Shy Tuttle was absolutely horrible 
last year. Shai Tuttle is also gone. He went to the Carolina Panthers. So that's their number one and number two defensive tackles. The number three was Contavious Street. He went to the Philadelphia Eagles. And then the number four guy, which is quite a ways down, is Malcolm Roach. He is still with the Saints. But they brought in some folks. One of the guys they brought in is New York Jets defensive tackle Nathan Shepard. He is sort of a pure pass rusher, kind of a terrible run defender. Um, But his pass rush grades, at least the last two years, have been 71 and 80, which is quite good, although not a lot of production there. Just 17 pressures on 200 attempts and two sacks. So I don't know that that's going to be a massive threat. Maybe they uh, see it kind of as upside and they're going to give him more opportunities than the Jets did as because he's going to be a starter basically for the first time. Um, or given the fact that he's kind of a larger defensive tackle, maybe they're just going to try to... I don't, I don't, I don't really know the plan. He's built like a run-defending nose tackle, but he's a horrific tackler, subpar run defender, and he grades out well as a pass rusher. Then the other guy that's presumably going to be a starter came over from the Kansas City Chiefs, and that is Kalen Saunders. Kalen's been with the Chiefs for four years. He's never really graded out very well. 58 overall, 55 run defense, 51 tackling, 57 pass rush. He had 18 pressures on 300 attempts and five sacks, so not good. Um, and then again, the number three is probably going to stay Malcolm Roach. Now, with that said, number one overall pick, Brian Brzee. Now, I did not like Brian Brzee at all, but... Very easy path to the front of this defensive line, considering, you know, I mean, you do have experience with Shepard and Saunders, but, um, I mean, they're, they're not super good football players. So Brian Brzee is, is somebody that they're really hoping, I think, can, can step up, but still not a very good defensive line. One other guy to note that is there, Jack Heflin. So very sad that he can't just remain a Packer for the rest of his life, because who doesn't want a trash can full of dirt? Then as we go off to the edges, you've got Cam Jordan, who has just been a mainstay out there. Um, Not exactly the Cam Jordan last year that we're used to um, in terms of just being one of the best pass rushers in all of football. Um, He kind of, in a sense, peaked in 2017. Now, it's been a very, very slow bleed. In other words, he stayed. So he was kind of decent through 2014, right? 60, 70 guy. Then he, in 2015, goes up to 82. Then 2016, 90. 2017, 91.2, right? At that point, he starts coming down, but again, very, very slowly. So from 91, he goes down to 89, then 86, then 84.6, then 84.3. Then this past year was a 74, which is his lowest. Now, he is 34 years old. So I think we're starting to actually see the effects of that. Now, staying a very good run defender throughout. That really hasn't dipped. What's been dipping is his pass rush. His pass rush has dropped more drastically from 2017. It went 89, 82, 83, 75, 69. Last year was a 53 pass rush grade. He had 37 pressures on 468 attempts. He still had nine sacks. And that's the thing. His sacks have stayed relatively high. So nobody's going to agree with what I'm saying right now because his sacks have been 15, 13, 17, 8, 13, 9. So it's like, you know... That's still basically double digits. He's still a freak pass rusher, blah, blah, blah. Now, dude, 37 pressures on 468 attempts is garbage. That's a shade under 8%. So, you know, all due respect to Cam Jordan, who should be respected and feared, um, I think age is starting to officially take its toll, and I think we're starting to see that. I mean, his, his last time in the 80s as a pass rusher, as far as his grade, was 2019. Last time in the 70s was 2020, and then he bottomed out this year at a 53 grade. He may have a slight resurgence, but I think that 2017 version of Cam Jordan ain't coming back. 
Then, number two edge rusher, Marcus Davenport. As I've said, I have no idea why in the world they would have let him go. Marcus Davenport is the guy that they traded with the Packers with. We got an additional first-round pick. They got up Marcus Davenport. Seemed to actually be a pretty good pick. Last year, he did only have one sack, but 34 pressures on 282 attempts. He had a 77 PFF grade, 75 pass rush, 72 coverage, 70 run defense. I mean, he's just solid kind of across the board. Uh, The year before that was almost a 90 PFF grade, 82 pass rush grade, 88 coverage grade. He had 42 pressures on 297 attempts and nine sacks. I mean, he's a good football player, and he went to the Vikings. I got to look that up. Why did that happen? Was it they couldn't afford to pay him? Because that would just be the most devastating thing ever. But, I mean, it it looks like just his, I mean, again, it was five years as a first-round pick, so they just let his contract expire, and then he went to the Vikings, I guess. And you, you wonder if they were obviously trying to pay him, but maybe just didn't have the money, and he just went into the... I, I, I don't know. Now, digging into it a little bit, there are some issues here. Um, it looks like there's been some injury issues. Let's see, what does it say here? Uh, injuries cost Davenport 20 games from the Saints from 2018 to 2022, although I don't see a whole lot of Saint, uh, injuries this past year. Maybe missed one game. So he missed 20 games in the last 18, 19, 20, 25 years, including the playoffs, limiting him to 67 other 87 contests. And he was ejected from the regular season finale after a fight with the Carolina Panthers player. So maybe that just kind of rubbed him the wrong way. I, I, don't, I don't know, but they just let him walk. I could be wrong. I think that's a huge get for the Vikings. Maybe the guy's just a head case and, and he's just kind of too up and down and doesn't put in the work or whatever. I, I personally don't care if I'm the... New Orleans Saints. I mean, he's a he's a young, talented pass rusher, and you don't have anybody else that fits that criteria. If you happen to replace him, great, but until that day, you keep him. But anyways, he's gone, and I would say we don't have to worry about him, but instead of worrying about him once, we got to worry about him twice, so that's that's fantastic. And then the third pass rusher was Carl Granderson, who is still there, so now it's going to be Cam Jordan and Carl Granderson, who looks like he's just going to kind of step up from the number three to the number two. He was a 2019 undrafted free agent, uh, didn't do anything in his first three years and then kind of broke out as a run defender in 2022, had a really good run defense grade, um, which, you know, I, I would say it's kind of fluky, but he actually was rare, very consistent. So 6'5", 261 seems to set a real good edge, which actually Cam Jordan is fantastic at that too. So when you look at this defensive front, that's one thing that these guys can do incredibly well is win against the run up front. Pass rush is going to be a little bit more iffy with this group. Um, they've also got some other guys like Tano Passanio, Jabari Zuniga. Um, but the, the biggest addition is they drafted Isaiah Foskey in the second round. I don't know why I always say his name that way. It just feels very breathy. So we'll see if he can step into a prominent role or not. Obviously he'll have some kind of a role, but so you got Brian Brzee on the inside, who was a first round pick. Isaiah Foskey was the second round pick. Um, so they got two guys added to the defensive front at inside linebacker. Top dog has always been Demario Davis. Um, solid, solid linebacker. Very, very underrated linebackers. A lot of big names that everybody hears about. Uh, almost none of them are as good as Demario Davis. Dude is 34 years old. He had his second best year of his career via PFF uh, this past year. So I don't know, man. I mean, at some point you would assume age would kind of kick in, but some people are just freaks and it doesn't seem to be a factor. In fact, he didn't even have his good first year until let's see one two three four five six years into the nfl so basically when he was about to turn 30 then he became good his first elite his only elite year i think was the year he turned 30 so 
I don't know. Dude's a good freaking linebacker. That's all I know. The other guy they used to have was Caden Ellis. As I said, he went over to the Atlanta Falcons. And so their number three linebacker becomes their number two linebacker. He was a second round pick in 2021. Uh, actually had a very good rookie year and then took a big step back last year. But um, yeah, he's going to be the number two next to Demario. Again, no real, no idea what Pete Warner is going to be able to provide. Um, second round pick out of Ohio State. But I, I would anticipate this being a good linebacking group just because Pete seems to be decent enough and Demario is a freak of nature. Then you got your corners. Uh, Paulson Adebo was and is their number one corner. He was absolutely putrid last year. He was a third-round pick in 2021. His rookie year, he was average. Last year, he had a 49-grade, 48 coverage grade. He gave up five touchdowns, zero interceptions, and seven pass breakups. So he is struggling. Their number two cornerback was Alante Taylor. He was also terrible, but it looks like he's going to be taking a step back as a backup. And then their slot guy was Bradley Roby. I think they let him walk in free agency is the situation with him, and, and that's great news for them because he was also terrible. I mean, all three corners graded out like in the 40s. It was it was brutal. Marshawn Lattimore did play a little bit, but he, he was massively injured last year. He played weeks one through five, and then they didn't see him again until week 17. Um, Marshawn Lattimore is a really weird situation. He was the best in a really good cornerback class, just top-notch dude, comes in, elite rookie season hopefully sauce gardner has a similar trajectory he goes from an 86 down to a 77 then down to a 65 and then down to a 59 his first good year since was in 2021 he goes back up to a 77 which is like his second best year then he goes right back down to a 64 now again he was injured but in his last four years he's had one good year grade wise i mean he he in 2020 and 2021, he gave up eight touchdowns and two interceptions, and then 2021 was seven touchdowns and three interceptions. Still a, a healthy amount of pass breakups, but he has been struggling. But he will be returning back to corner. No idea what to expect from Marshawn Lattimore. I don't know if they figured it out in 2021, and the only reason he was down, even though he started off the season terribly, weeks one through five, how he started last year, 65-65, 58-34-59. He didn't have a single good game. Week 17 against Philadelphia, comes back from injury, elite game, and then goes right back to a 50. So I don't know. I have no idea. But Paulson Adebo has been bad. Marshawn Lattimore is wildly unpredictable. Could be elite, could be complete garbage. Oh, and you know what? I was absolutely wrong. I was looking at uh, strong side linebacker for some reason as slot cornerback. Uh, Bradley Roby is still there and is still their, cor their nickel. So that is fantastic news for us. So Paulson Adebo is a pretty rough corner. Bradley Roby is a terrible slot corner. Marshawn Lattimore, very unpredictable. Maybe they have a really good corner in him. Sometimes he's quite good, but I think he's inconsistent to the point where most of the time you would expect a subpar performance from him. Even in 2021, where he was you know, back up to his normal self, he had 82-82, then 45, then 85. So three, this is how his season started. Three incredible games with a 45 mixed in. Then from there it goes 40-50-50-50-60-50. Like, what the heck is that? Then it's 80-80-80, and then 60-70-60. I mean, it's just, it's, he's wildly, wildly, wildly inconsistent. I mean, he went from week three, having a passer, gave up a passer rate of, of 19. The next week, it was 158. Then it was 41. Then it was 143. It's just, I, I don't know. But I'm going to go on record and say it's a pretty rough cornerback group for sure.
And then finally, the safeties. Uh, number one guy last year still going to be, you know, their their guy is Tyron Matthew. Tyron Matthew obviously has been with several teams, started off with Arizona, then went to Houston, then Kansas City, and then last year was his first year with the Saints. Um, I've said several times the guy's overrated, but last year he had his best grade since 2015. He had an 81.2 grade. Almost all of that came as a result of his coverage grade, which the first thing that I want to look at when that happens, when you have an uncharacteristically high season and it's all because of coverage, is I want to see interceptions and really didn't have very high interceptions. He had three, which is like the lowest he's had since 2018. So it wasn't just a, a, a pile of interceptions that caused that. He just graded out really well. But 62 run defense grade, 65 tackling, 70 pass rush, which he rarely does, and then an 88 coverage grade. So he's a, he's, a, he's a good safety, right? He's always been at least relatively good. I think he's always been overrated in terms of just being one of the top guys. Um, in his career, it's been 80, 60, 90, 60, 70, 70, 70, 60, 60, 80. So again, he's solid. He's 60s or 70s almost every year. Nothing wrong with him, but he has not, or has not generally been, last year he was, one of the premier safeties in the NFL. And then next to Tyron Matthew is Marcus May. Marcus May is another guy. So last year they brought in two safeties. I mean, they brought in a big wig um, from Kansas City, and then they brought in a big wig from the Jets. And Marcus May had had some very, uh, quite a bit of success with the Jets. And uh, he had a pretty good season as well, 72 grade 79 tackling 71 coverage pretty solid across the board so i mean marcus may and tyron matthew has the potential to be one of the better safety groups in the nfl even though i don't think any of them are probably top five they're both kind of top 10 ish potential top 16 top 20 let's say so that should probably help them on the back end a little bit uh, marcus may did miss quite a bit of time in fact he has the last two years um he missed a ton of time in 2021 which maybe is part of the reason the Jets let him go. I'm not sure. Saints picked him up, and he played weeks one and two, and then he missed time, came back week six, um, and then played six, seven, eight, nine, 11, 12, 13, and then 15, and that was it. So he missed a, a huge portion of the season, pretty close to half the season. So I, I guess overall, you know, it's question at quarterback. How is that all going to pan out? Kamara and Jamal is a solid duo, but, you know, Alvin Kamara's kind of slipping a little bit, and we'll see what Jamal can do. He obviously did some great stuff as a uh, touchdown hawk in Detroit, but, you know, we'll see what that looks like in New Orleans. Offensive line is a little bit rough outside of right tackle. Not much of a tight end situation. Chris Olave and Michael Thomas has the potential to be one of the better pairings at wide receiver, but we got to see what Chris does in year two. We got to see if Thomas can come back healthy and, and strong at his age, what he looks like. Uh, defensively, again, the edges aren't bad, but Cam Jordan is sort of that elite player that probably isn't as elite as people would assume based on his name. They lost a really good edge and, and kind of upgraded Carl Granderson to that number two spot, um, who is so-so. And so you've got a good edge, a so-so edge, a rookie edge, and then Tano Passanio, who's kind of just sort of a backup rotational guy that you don't want to play a ton. And then on the interior, they brought in two new defensive tackles, kind of like they did last year. Actually, the exact same teams, too, Kansas City and the Jets, um, to kind of shore up that interior. Both of them are kind of so-so. Then they drafted Brian Brzee, kind of just scattershot in that, hoping to get that improved. Linebacker's a pretty solid situation. Safety's a solid situation. Corner is pretty rough. Now, this is all based on last year 
right? That's the thing. You look at any one of these players, and it's like, man, they had that one really high year. They had that one really bad year or whatever. You never know where people are going to land. So we we got to kind of see how things develop. And, and by the time we play the Saints, we're still not going to really know much about these guys and as far as how their season is going to be at the end. But that's just kind of if I could give you my best estimate as to how things would shake out in terms of what's good and what's bad, that would be my thought on it. And unfortunately, depending on how some of these things fall, this is a really, really good football team or potentially a terrible football team. And also, as I'm going through this, looking at the Falcons and Saints, you know, it's been kind of common knowledge that the AFC has been pretty dominant. The NFC has just been a trash heap. But I feel like the NFC is some of these teams. I mean, you could look at the Packers, you could look at the Vikings, you could look at the the Lions, you could look at the Falcons, you could look at the Saints. Not going to say the Bears for obvious reasons. We'll see if they can get a quarterback. But um, a lot of these teams, are they kind of have the components. Maybe they're missing one or two, or they just need a couple people to kind of step up and be something. But I feel like they're on the crux of potentially being a dangerous team. Falcons and Saints are two of those teams. I don't think they're going to, especially the the Falcons, because I think their quarterback situation is tenuous at best. But, you know, maybe New Orleans? If, if, If they could get these things to hit, this could be a pretty scary team, but let's fingers crossed that it isn't. Anyways, I'm going to get out of here. You guys have a fantastic rest of your day. Tomorrow we'll probably cover another two teams. We'll see how it goes. Have a good one. Bye-bye.